You are listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast episode 26. Welcome to the Zero Lives Left podcast. What is it you have always wanted to do? Are you stuck going around in circles? Sound familiar? Maybe you have always wanted to start a business. Maybe there's a particular career path you have wanted to follow. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring insight from someone who has done it, how they did it, along with actionable tips on how you can make it happen. Now, here's your host, Wayne Denner. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. My name is Wayne Denner. Good to have you with me here today. If you're just joining and tuning in for the first time, and this is your first episode of the show, welcome, welcome. Let me give you a quick rundown on how things work around here. Each episode, we bring you valuable podcast banter on business and career. Every episode features a different guest who shares their insights and experience with you, the listener. Whether you're interested in starting a business, maybe you have a business, or you're looking to get started into a particular career path, this is the podcast for you, my friend. You've come to the right place, and we will have something useful and valuable which will help you along on your way. Don't forget, as always, if you have any topics or suggestions you would like me to cover on the show, please drop me an email to zero lives left podcast at gmail.com or send me a tweet to at zero lives left. As always, with this episode and other episodes of the show, sharing is caring, my friend. So please feel free to share this link with your friends. If you're listening on iTunes, please do rate and review the podcast. If you're listening over on Stitcher, a review over there would not go amiss. This show is packed full of useful and valuable information. So as always, my friends, make sure you have a pen and a piece of paper handy because you're going to want to jot down some useful information which you're going to pick up along on the way. We're chatting to a good friend of mine, digital nomad and CEO and co-founder of online ticketing platform Get Invited, Kyle Golly. Kyle shares his insights on raising 250000 to becoming a digital nomad. This is one episode you are not going to want to miss. All right, let's not waste any more time and get right in to episode 26 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. I am fired up. I've been trying to line up this interview now for some time and we finally managed to nail it down. Kyle, are you ready to drop some golden nuggets of information with our listeners today on the Zero Lives Left podcast? Yes. Design and user experience expert, Kyle has built several businesses, including Get Invited, the online ticket company with sales of over 1 million. Uh, in addition to running a successful software company with a global sales, he also runs a design studio that provides design, software development, and business advice. He speaks on entrepreneurship around the world and lectures at the University of Ulster and the NRC in Belfast, and has recently become a digital nomad, something we will find out about much later in this episode. Kyle, take a few moments and give our listeners an overview of your backstory. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, I, I started out as a student, uh, like like a lot of people. Uh, I was a design student, so I did a lot of digital product design, website design. Kind of got quite interested in building my own products. Started a few businesses. One, some didn't work out. Some that some that did. The most successful one uh, being Get Invited, which I'm sure we'll talk about lots um, today. 
Yeah. So in 2012, you, you founded or you co-founded Get Invited and raised 250000 in venture capital. How did that all come about? Well, whenever we started, myself and my co-founder, uh, David Turner, and we met on our we met in uni when we were doing our master's course. Uh, we, we came up with the idea um, of building a, building a ticketing system. And we really we thought it would be a good challenge for us um, and it would be a good thing to do for a master's project. So we started building it. We built a prototype in a day, um, which was really, really sketchy and, and bad. But spent a few more weeks on it. Uh, we got a few customers on board. Uh, which one of them was the University of Ulster. We managed to get some money running through it in the first six months using a really, really dodgy PayPal payment system that was semi-legal. But as we were graduating, uh, the university kind of taken notice of what we were doing. They really liked it. They liked the progress that we had made, especially the fact that we managed to get it out there and you know, people were using it. So they offered to put some money into it if we could find another investor. They helped us line up a few investors couple of weeks after I'd finished uni, but before I graduated, uh, we were pitching in a room for 100K. It was brutal. Like I, I talked about how great our product was, but people were asking all these business questions and I, I didn't have a clue uh, what I was talking about. So I got torn to shreds for about 25 minutes and it was uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced in my life. And then went home that night, me and my co-founder, like we just, we just felt defeated. Like we were like, like, we'll just give up. And then like I, I rang, like one of our mentors from the university, a guy called Tim Brumdo, and he was like, "Look, don't don't worry about it. Like, you know, if you had the answers to all those questions, you'd be on a beach somewhere in, in Mexico. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be in there pitching for money." So it's back in the next day, tore us apart for another good half hour, and then they said, "Look, you're never going to do anything that you said you're going to do with 100k, but if we give you 200 grand, would that would that work?" So obviously we were like, "Yes." We went out that night. We celebrated. Um, Tim was saying, "This like you're the only students in Belfast walking around, but." 200k in your pocket so just go out and get blocked and celebrate so while everybody else was skint uh trying to manage their student loans you guys had just netted 200k yeah well it turned out in the end we took 175 of venture capital and then we got about another 75 of grants on top of that wow and this is something that started off at university so you you know this was just a university project that kind of and were you interested in entrepreneurship or did you just kind of stumble onto it I, I'd, whenever I was in, when I was doing my undergrad, I wanted to go and work in a, a web design agency and I did that on placement. And I had a really good experience, but I learned that I didn't want to go in and do the nine to five grind every day working on websites. I wanted to work on my own things and I tried a product before getting invited and it didn't really work out. So when I went back on to do the masters, like I'm going to try a product again, but I'm going to learn about business and marketing and all the other things and they're, they're going to make it a success because you know, being able to code and just make pretty user interfaces is, is not going to be enough. Um, so I, yeah, by the time I got on the masters, I was interested in, in entrepreneurship. Um, I built up some skills while I was on the course, but a lot of the skills came later once we got the money and we were running the business properly. And what sort of things did you learn about the startup scene? And why is it not all about becoming the next Facebook or the next Snapchat and doing an IPO valuation? like Snapchat of 25 billion. I mean, that's crazy, crazy money. And there seems to be a lot of focus on the startup scene in itself, where it's almost sold to people as, you know, have you got the next big idea? And really, do you need to have the next big idea? What kind of things did you learn? I definitely think that there's huge overemphasis on, you know, building these billion dollar companies, getting to the IPO. And I think that's that's great for some people. And like when I started off, that was the goal. But 
And I remember at the time reading a lot about the difference between the founder CEO and then the grey-haired CEO, as they call them, who comes in, you know, two or three years later and, and, and grows the company because the guy that comes up with the idea, builds a product and gets it out there is a very different guy that takes it on later on and scales it up in the a billion dollar. $25 billion company. Like, obviously, there's some exceptions like Mark Zuckerberg, who are product guys that have taken it right through. But I think, you know, having been through the pro, like, my goal now is not to build a billion dollar uh, company. I'm sure there's my investors will hate me for, for saying this. But I think, like, I've learned that the process of doing that is like you're sold this dream of what, what it's like to do that. But the reality is, is very, very different. So, like, for me, I love product. Once we hired, so I had a CTO, I had a CTO co founder. Um, David, who done all the tech stuff, but when we started, I was doing the design work. Um, and then we hired Stuart, who basically took over all the product work. Um, and I took over all of the pitching, marketing, and then we, so we hired a marketing person. But by the sort of midway through, all I was doing was spreadsheets, slide decks, pitching the investors. All that stuff's pretty crap. Like the first time you do it, it's quite exciting, but it gets really boring after a while. Like I remember a distinct moment when I was in San Francisco pitching and, and doing all this stuff where I was, I was reading the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Great book, great book. It, it's amazing. And like that, that, that opened my eyes and I was like, I was just thinking, I don't actually like doing most of the things I do on a day to day basis. And I don't want to be turning up to the pitches and you know, my shirt and blazer every day and just, you know, talking about financial um, projections. I want to be making products and doing the exciting thing. And I think like there's a lack of awareness. I think people have a lack of self-awareness whenever they get involved in the startup community and nobody tells them that, you know, if you're a product guy and you like you're an ideas person and you go on this journey, you're not going to be working on product and coming up with great ideas. You're going to be doing all this admin and pitching and finance stuff that, and some people are cut out for that and some people enjoy that. Um, but I kind of, I know lots of other entrepreneurs who've done the same thing as me that they kind of feel the same and now they're coming back to well i want to build a product focused business and i want to focus on the product and you know if we can make revenue doing that without raising loads and loads and loads of investment and getting to a 25 billion dollar valuation then i'm happy with that because you know to get to that level like it comes with an awful lot of stress and i've written about some of the horrible things that happened to me during that process and what's the result of that stress and i think like it's it's definitely not the only way and in my experience, it's probably not the most enjoyable way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I came through the springboard program in the science park for another little startup that I'm working on. I mean, the whole aspect of all the other things that you have to do. I mean, I'm a little bit like you where I was really interested in the product itself. But yeah. all the all these other things like marketing, finance, pitching to, you know, different people all the time, you know, it just wasn't where my heart was in. Sure, other people are great at that, but I just found that it I found it very, very challenging, I suppose. And it put me off the experience. Um, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I, I think at the first, the first time you do it, it's a good challenge and it's a really good thing to get through. And it'll really hone your your pitching skills. You'll learn all these other skills. But after a while, it just gets uh, quite monotonous. I think doing that kind of stuff because when you're standing in a room every day saying the same thing to different people, it's not that exciting. I don't find some people love it. Um, sometimes I still like, you know, I love giving talks now, but I, I don't like pitching so much. I like just going in and talking about experience and things that I've learned, which to me is very different to just trying to sell your, sell this idea to people. Yeah, because that's effectively what you're trying to do. You keep trying to, to sell the idea. And, yeah. and sometimes it can be difficult to get the, the message across all the time to, to different audiences. Yeah, it's tough. And uh, like sometimes people will, they just won't get it at all been torn to shreds on, on many occasions. Like at the start, it, it kind of hurts and you feel bad about it. And then 
you just get to the point where yeah. you don't care. People can just say anything and <laughs> you don't care. But you also realize that a lot of it is like, I like to call it the startup fallacy. And like a lot of it is just made up nonsense. Like I still see, I remember I was, think, I was pitching in San Francisco to at the, the guy called Sean Percival, who was, he manages 500 startups. He was also like the head of marketing at MySpace. And there was a couple of other guys over from Belfast and they were pitching as well. And we all had our, financial projection slide and he's like just get these out see if you have these in here in silicon valley at this stage everyone will just you'll just be the laughing stock because these numbers are just just made up uh, like i remember like in belfast you know there's a lot of emphasis on on these numbers that don't really mean anything and everybody knows you're just you're just pulling these numbers out of nowhere you're never going to hit them um i think like a lot of it's just i don't know it just doesn't make sense Obviously, if you want to go down that path and raise lots of money, you have to do those things. But, you know, for me now and for what we're doing, it's, it's a very different path where we're not doing that and we're trying to get away. We have successfully got away from that and we're just focused on, you know, building a business, you know, using our own money to grow the business and reinvesting the money we make and just being focused on the product rather than all the stuff that we, we don't like doing. Yeah, I hear you. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I mean, the, the springboard program was really good. I mean, it did help me with pitching skills. It helped me, you know, look at the numbers and these sorts of things. But I've kind of moved away from that now and, and found that, you know what, I'm going to try and get this product out myself. I'm going to invest my own resources into it and my own money into it. And I'm going to move away from, from that style of, of, I don't know if learning is the right word, but that style of, of mentorship, which I yeah. found that, you know, there was a lot of emphasis put on those numbers. And, and really, I didn't even understand those numbers in the first place. And I really, really struggled with, you know, where we were going with, with that direction. Yeah, like uh, there was examples where like, well, there's we have ones. I think we, st- we have about twenty five spreadsheets of numbers, and like one of them is there's about three hundred and fifty rows on each on one of the sheets, and it's about eight tabs long. And like a whole of the team of us were working on it. We had consultants in working on this, and we pulled together this. Like, in a way, it was this beautiful financial spreadsheet that projected all these numbers. And we'd go to investors and we'd say, "Here's the numbers," and they'd say, "Well, look, you know, this doesn't look right, or this number needs to be bigger for this year." And then we just go away and figure out, well, how can we adjust the formula to make those numbers fit? And the more we did this, the more we realized that there's no real, I mean, there's some logic to what we're doing, but all we're doing is just picking numbers and building ways to actually, you know, justify those numbers. Like if we were investing all that time into sales product, and I think it would have been a better investment. And I think like what's really underrated is bootstrapping and building a, you know, just building your product yourself without taking on investment and um, i don't regret taking on investment like we have two great investors and i wouldn't be where i am the invited wouldn't be where it is if we hadn't have taken on that money but i think like there's a lot that comes with it that people don't necessarily think about they just think wow lots of money great but they don't think about all the other things that you know all the negatives that come with it and of course the money doesn't be long going and we'll come back to that in a couple yeah. of moments uh you recently wrote a blog post uh titled my life in a series of failures i noticed a lot of people actually interacting with you in relation to this blog i read it myself some interesting uh experiences in there can you share with our listeners the why i suppose for this blog part of the why was like I love going and hearing other people talking about their journeys, but whenever people talk about, I did this, I did this, I did this, and everything was just great, and then we got to this great outcome, it almost seems unbelievable. And like, I know plenty of people that talk that way, and I know like what goes on behind the scenes, and you know, it's very different. And you know, I've been guilty of, of doing these things as well. So I wanted to write something that was that maybe didn't alienate other people, that was just honest and said, you know, like. I've screwed a lot of things up along the way and it's, it's perfectly fine to screw things up. And people who are building companies and doing these great things aren't just magically taking step to step to step and everything's just going absolutely perfect all the time. 
But the kind of point that I, I don't know whether I got it across properly, but one I wanted to get across was the the kind of serendipity that comes with with failure and how whenever something goes badly wrong, it usually leads you to something much better. Um, so like one of the, the failures I wrote about was like losing four of my front teeth from stress related vo- vomiting every day and then almost bleeding to death in hospital. But that experience, those experiences made me really consider what was important, what did I really want to be doing, um, how can I live a stress-free life? And that's what kind of pushed me onto the path of I'm a product guy. I like building products. I want to continue to, you know, I want to build Get Invited as a product-focused business, not an investment-focused business. And also, I want to work on other products and launch other things as well. So it's just about that when things go wrong, like it can feel really bad at the time. But if you try and learn from it, it'll usually push you on to a, a slightly better path. And that's the thing when, when when running a business or when starting a business or running a startup. I mean, it's it takes an incredible amount of energy, and it yeah. also it also can have a, a serious knock on implication on your health. You know, you, you know, you're investing a lot of time and a lot of energy into this business. You're doing twenty or thirty different things. You're not eating right. You're not sleeping right. You know, all of these things that have a knock on factor on your health. And you know, I think a lot of people, you know, when they, when they see the startup, they think, Oh, it's cool running your own business, running your own startup, building a technology company or whatever it is. But, but as you know, and, and as I know as well, there's a lot of sacrifices go into that. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's the kind of startup bad you know, that you're working 18 hours a day. Um, you don't get enough sleep. You don't, you drink coffee to fuel yourself and, uh, you eat really badly. And, uh, like my lifestyle was atrocious. Like I had no exercise. My diet was atrocious. I was drinking. Like we were drinking ridiculous. I think we put out an infographic on our second birthday that we'd consume like two and a half thousand cups of coffee in two years uh, between just three people. And like obviously that all came crashing down um, for me in February last year. And like I remember lying in hospital and like I'd been I blacked out a few times that day. It was vomiting blood. And it was rushed into the Royal. And I just lay there that night just thinking, what the hell is, what's wrong with me? And, you know, all the things that I was doing and like, it doesn't really, nothing seemed to matter. And the only thing that mattered was, right, this is going to be something that's going to affect the rest of my life. Am I going to die? Am I going to be all right? And, you know, when I came out of that, you know, I went, I completely changed my lifestyle. I stopped drinking coffee, became vegetarian for a week, became vegan. Two weeks later, got a personal trainer, like just like right like now I'm one of those really annoying health freaks. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like really seriously invested in my own personal health, happiness, making sure I'm living a stress-free life. Because when something like that happens, like you just realize that it's not, it's not worth it. It's not. And I think really, you know, whenever you sign up for any of these programs, like, you know, some of these startup boot camps and all of these sort of things that, you know, we see through various enter, enterprise initiatives. I mean, I really think they should have something there which focuses on, yes, let's focus on the numbers and the importance of the numbers, but let's actually focus on your health and well-being yeah. <laughs> when you're going through this and you need to eat properly. You need to have the right people around you. You need to be getting sleep. You need to have a good diet. You don't want to be firing coffee into yourself. I mean, I think that would help with a lot of people. I think it would, and just just teaching people about you know how to manage your own thoughts and emotions, and like just like I think like just I, I don't think there's there's no emphasis on that at all, and I think like I think it would really benefit people to have people in who have experienced those you know mental health issues, physical health issues as a result of this, and and show people that you know working eighteen hours a day and treating your disrespecting your your health and your body is not really something that you should be proud of, and some people can do that and get away with it, but I think eventually. Like something is going to go wrong 
somewhere down the line and like now I'm totally not like I would never work 18 hours a day or do anything crazy like that now I make sure I get at least eight hours of sleep every night I eat clean I eat healthy because I, I learned the hard way definitely you're not taught that in startup school no and I think you should be and I think there's a massive yeah. opportunity there to educate I mean this is something that I've really taken to over the past sort of couple of years now really starting to focus on getting better rest you know I suffered a lot with anxiety as a yeah. result of, of my own businesses you know because you're constantly anxious about you know am I going to be paid on time or you know is the money going to come in and are you going to be able to stay afloat for another month all of these things and I mean it can have such a knock-on effect on your health your blood pressure you know stress all of these things and, and I just think it's something that you know when we when we get sucked into the whole idea of starting a business our health and our own physical and our mental well-being really does suffer yeah i'm thinking your health your mental health and physical health should be your number one priority and then everything else should come come second to it i think yeah certain people will be able to handle it more than others like i would say i always had a very high tolerance for stress but you know in the end it, it kind of came, it came crumbling down and like i had a different perspective on life now but that had to happen to me for me to learn and to be on the path that I'm on now. Yeah, and I think the thing with stress is it's always kind of chipping away and chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And eventually it does, it, you know, you have to make some sort of changes. Now, you carried out uh, an interesting experiment recently. I was kind of watching your journey on this and I, and I read your recent article on your post on this on becoming a digital nomad. And it's something that I've seen, you know, quite a few people <laughs> now starting to explore. What have you learned about yourself in life? Before I went, I knew I wanted to travel. I traveled quite a bit on and off, and I knew I wanted to see more exotic things. And I was talking about it for months and months and months. And I remember one day I was getting my hair cut, and I was telling my barber about this. And I got home and was like, all I'm doing is talking about this. So I just booked a flight to Bangkok, and then went out to, decided to go out to Thailand for a month to, to see if I could you know, go out and sustain my sort of work ethic and productivity for a month in a really hot tropical um, country. And could I still get things done? Could I still, you know, manage my time effectively? Yeah, it, it, I think it, it worked really well for me. Um, there's no few negatives to be in a way, but overall, it was a positive experience. Um, the first thing I learned was like, you know, if you really want to do something, just go and just go and do it. Um, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out and march and do it indefinitely because I have this feeling that if I don't do it, uh, when I get older, I'm going to seriously regret it. And I think like traveling on your own is a really good experience in learning about yourself, understanding yourself, um, particularly if you're in a, a non-English speaking country. So you know, what I found a lot in Thailand was there were maybe days where I wasn't speaking to anyone and you're you're spending two, three days at a time just inside your own head with your own thoughts and you start to become really aware of your own thought patterns and you start to, you can pick up on things that are maybe quite negative that are not serving you and then you, things that you wouldn't really realize um, on a day-to-day -day basis when you're interacting with people constantly. So it was like, it was definitely a really good exercise in personal development. It's a good confidence building exercise when you just throw yourself into that environment. The first three or four days in Bangkok, I just felt uncomfortable like the heat was intense you don't know anything you don't know anybody and you're just trying to figure things out but once you kind of get into the flow of it and you realize that you're the other side of the world just going around doing whatever you want to do you know running your business from your laptop like it's a it's a really good feeling of freedom and that's the thing for a lot of businesses now it is actually possible to run your business remotely it's possible to run it from a laptop yeah absolutely and like if you one thing you never see startups doing a lot of is going and doing that in somewhere like Bangkok or Chiang Mai. Now, there's a lot of people running businesses in, in those places, but 
the cool thing to do there seems to be drop shipping rather than set up a, a tech startup. But the cost of living is, is so ridiculous. Um, like in Chiang Mai, the apartment I was staying in was like 250 quid for the month. And it was like a one bedroom studio, smart TV, full kitchen, and then this brand spanking new condo with 24 hour security. And it was just ridiculous. And like, there was, I was going out for nights out. I actually met a guy from Belfast um, who was a digital nomad. And we'd go out for nights out and like, we'd be drinking cocktails, eating food, taxi back. You know, we spent like 12 quid. You know, taxi's 40p. You can eat for a pound per meal. Like it's just, the, and it, the food's really good. Everything's really good quality. So your, your quality of life is much better. And you're, you're paying like it's, it's so little money. It's ridiculous. And while you're doing that, you're building character. Yeah, and you're, you know, you're learning, you're, I think the people you meet, you meet people from different countries, different cultures, you can learn a lot from those people, you're building your, your own self-confidence, and you're just, I think there, there's a lot to be gained from traveling and putting, especially putting yourself into, what, like, really exotic cultures, um, and learning from those things, and of course you get great ideas whenever you're doing that, and I think, like, if you're struggling to come up with an idea for a product, go and immerse yourself in, you know, a culture in Asia and look at the problems that they have. Um, what hasn't been solved by technology or, or whatever skills that you have, you can, you know, create something to solve a problem for them. Because And they're also huge markets too. And of course, you know, the thing with Asia and, you know, Thailand and other parts of, of, of that region, you know, the world is such a, such a small place, but it's also such a big place. And you're actually, you know, you're moving outside of your comfort zone. Maybe you grew up in Northern Ireland or you grew up in a small community in Ireland and suddenly you are, you know, you're working from your laptop in, in, in one of the, you know, in a big city. Yeah, but it's, it's a cool, it's a really cool feeling whenever you're doing that. Um, I think the important thing is you try to make the effort to meet other people. Um, you, it's very easy to get really isolated quite quickly, feel out of your depth. And like, I think the day whenever I met Matt, who was the, the nomad from Belfast, who worked for a startup, just moved to Thailand, he arrived couple of days after me and like that day was whenever I was able to communicate fluently in English, you know, at extended periods of time. I was able to go out for food and drinks with someone that, you know, I could I could relate to. And obviously there's lots of other nomads like him in different places, but I find it really beneficial to go into the co working spaces. That's where I met him and you know, you can meet people quite easily there because everyone's in the same boat. They're all out there, they're on their own. Um they're probably lonely to some extent and they're just looking to meet uh, other people. And you never know what ideas you could come up with. Like when I was out there, it was a Sunday afternoon. Um, we were both hungover. He's working on a dropshipping business. And I just thought, what the hell? Like I'll, I'll have a go at setting up a dropshipping business. Just played around for a few hours and got a Shopify store set up. Um, got some products, um, on there. I haven't actually made the effort to sell anything yet, but that probably wouldn't, that conversation probably would never happen. That I'd never had that idea if it wasn't over in that environment and, you know, surround myself with those kinds of people. Now, to jump back into uh, what we were speaking about a couple of moments ago in relation to the capital that you raised initially for, for Get Invited. You know, you wrote a blog post about key lessons from spending 250000 in 18 months. Now, to most people listening to this episode, 250000 seems like a lot of money. And, you know, to be able to spend it in 18 months doesn't seem that short of a time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a lot of money. Um, when you're building a startup, it's not. Like, I, I think on the first day, we spent 28 grand. Um, that was in legal fees, investment fees, payroll, equipment, rent. And, like, the lessons I learned, like, what the most important lesson was from day one, whether you're raising investment or not, is build a revenue-focused business. Like, investment is a, it's a massive safety uh, blanket, but, you know, revenue trumps everything and i think there's there's too much of a focus on i will raise money we'll raise more money we'll raise more money. we'll just keep raising more more money without ever really worrying about well how, when, when do we get to the point of sustainability the other lesson 
the big lesson was travel. Um, so I guess a lot of the money we spent was on travel, not me going on holidays around Thailand or anything, but like, you know, going to New York, going to London, going to uh, San Francisco, San Diego, just meeting lots of people and making connections. And, you know, we got some big opportunities out of doing that. Like one of, the, one of our highlights was taking them for a launch festival, which would never have happened if I hadn't. Like basically, a few years ago, uh, we just decided, look, we'll just book some flights to America. We'll head over for three weeks. We'll do a week in New York, two weeks in San Francisco. We'll just network our way, just meet as many people as we can. And then opportunities just kind of kept falling off the back of that. Um, that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't made that effort. And I think if you're from Northern Ireland, then yeah, it's getting out of Northern Ireland and going to these big cities is, is an absolute must if you want to develop a business, get customers outside of the country and, and learn from these people. So is, is there a lot of sort of falsity or BS in the startup scene, you know, in the, in the, you know, in the meetings and the presentations and the pitches, do you find that, you know, it's generally very, people are genuine or is there just a lot of time wasting that goes on? Um, I think that there's both. Like, hmm. I don't think we're as bad in Northern Ireland. I think the thing in Northern Ireland is like a lot of people that say they have a startup, have something, they have a product or, you know, they're doing something. I've noticed in other places where people have startups, but they don't really have anything. Like I remember a conversation I had with a guy, it was, I was at, uh, it was like a Y Combinator event in, in London, um, on a Saturday, about a year, about a year and a half ago, maybe a bit longer. And like, I was just going around the room talking to people and they were asking me what I was working on. I was asking them what they were looking on and people would give you this big elaborate pitch about things and the product. And yeah, you would think these people had like, you know, they were doing something. And then once they ask you what you're doing, and I mentioned that we've, you've got a team, we've raised some money, and we're doing all this stuff. It's like, all oh, right, you've actually got a product and all. It's like, uh, yeah, like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I just have this idea that, you know, for my startup. And then people are just up front and say, like, I, have a, I have an idea. That's fine. People who kind of pretend that they have this whole thing that, that they don't. But I think in the blog post, uh, the term I'd use was the startup fallacy. And like, Yes, there's a lot of BS around startups. It's not always necessarily the startups. I think there's an entire industry that functions on extracting money from, from startups and naive startup founders. And look, we've made plenty of mistakes as well. And like one of the things is a lot of people will try and sell you advice. Like I noticed, like once we got that money and people knew we got that money, there was a lot of people who were very friendly, who were coming to visit us all the time and, you know, trying to sell us advice and experience and, you know, things that they had never done themselves. And like the other thing that I don't agree with is, you know, these events that charge startups like absolutely ridiculous amounts of money for tickets to come and pitch and, and do things. And you want to spend 10 grand on a, a ticket to an event, you could probably invest that money in, in something a bit more strategic. Yeah, and that's the probably problem I had with a lot of the you know startup programs and, and other things. You know, the the people who were giving the advice, I found somewhat, you know, a lot of the information was good. It just it was advice coming from people who'd never ran a business or never run a startup. The textbook entrepreneurs. Yeah, those sorts yeah. of people. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's lots of them, and I think like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going around and telling you know re, you know giving people advice based on what you've read. But I think like if you you've read the lean startup and a couple of the other books and you, you know the ideal process of how to do this and how to do that. And then, you know, but it's never it's like that in reality. It never worked like that. You know, a lean startup doesn't tell you what happens whenever you land yourself in hospital and like you're so stressed out. It's only people that have been through that and know how to deal with that that can advise you on that. And I find the advice that comes from people who've done it is very different to, you know, the advice that 
people who haven't done it but know the theory behind it. Yeah, I think so. And one of the key pieces of advice now I would give to people uh, who are considering even starting a business, business, I would say, look, whilst it's all great, you need to be focusing on yourself, your health and your well-being. Get those things in line first and you'll have far more energy. uh, You'll be far more focused and you'll not burn yourself out just as quickly. So I'm really starting to like, you know, almost look at it from, you know, this is how I would do it if I was starting all over again, because that's the sort of information I really needed at the start. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, what you're saying about burning yourself out too quickly is important. And like my co-founder David always says it like it's, you know, this is a marathon. It's not a, it's not a sprint. And like we've been doing this for a long time now and I've been through the burnout, but it is a long journey and you're preparing yourself for five, 10 years of your life working on something. You can't, you can't be going out of 20 hours a day. Um, a caffeine fuel bender every day of your life. So <laughs> it's not, it's not sustainable. That's, that's the kind of stuff I was doing. I've recently, uh, just last week, in fact, I ran my first 5k. And, um, I mean, you know, if I had went back six months ago, in fact, when I did start running, um, I remember going out for my first run and I was like trying to be, you know, super fast and sprinted. And about like a minute into it, I was near throwing up in the hedge. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, I was, you know, I was trying to go at it too hard, go at it too quickly. And just last night I went out for a 5k and you know what? It was really nice. I breezed around it. I enjoyed it. I was relaxed. It was just for me, it was working far, far better and not trying to, trying to do everything at once and trying to do the marathon without doing the 5k. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just about you know, taking it one step at a time. And just, I think that's where like, if you're, if you're focusing on organic growth and just building things yourself, it's much easier to do that if you've raised a lot of money investors want to see that money spent quickly um, they don't want you to eat that out over you know five years it's like it's all about you spend it quickly you know prove it you know and then get more and, and grow faster which is okay if you can handle that kind of velocity and that kind but, of pace i suppose <laughs> yeah but it's not it's definitely not for everyone yeah, exactly. We have a lot of people who listen into the show, Kyle, who are either running a small business or want to start a business. I mean, in fact, a lot of people actually reach out to the show and say, you know, I've got this business idea. I'm thinking about starting a business. We touched touched on this already in relation to the importance of pitching. You know, you mentioned that you spend a lot of time pitching. Giving a good presentation is really, really important. What kind of tips would you give to someone who, you know, is looking a bit more advice on refining and developing their, their pitching skills? I mean, I think the most important thing is just practice, 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 practice. Uh, like you, you, you can tell the difference a mile off between somebody that's rehearsed the pitch 20 times the night before and somebody that's just kind of turned up and, you know, they don't really know what they're talking about. And like, I think if you're giving a talk about your life journey, it's fine to just kind of turn up and, and, you know, tell the story. But if you're giving a three minute, six minute, you know, nine minute pitch, you've got to have that nailed absolutely perfectly um and you, you've got to have the timing perfect i remember we were in san francisco one of the other uh companies from belfast was pitching and he went about 20 seconds over and they just just said stop and he just kept talking they were like i said stop that means stop and everyone in the room was just like oh my god like what what's just happened but like i think yeah practice make sure that you've got your timing right you know exactly what you're talking about and make sure that anything you say you have an answer to any question that might come up with that, um, one thing I sort of I learned to do was, you know, I might have nine slides on presenting the business, but then I might think, right, what are the 10 to 15 questions that somebody might ask me around this? And then I would have, you know, supplement slides that showed the answers to those questions. So if somebody asked me, I could just flick to that slide and, and then explain it. Like practice the main thing. I think like if you're, if you're pitching a product or your business, then there's, there's a formula that, that works really well. And you probably shouldn't try and deviate from that formula too much. And that formula is, you know, introduce yourself, 
really quickly talk about the problem that your business solves talk about the size of that problem how big is the market show your solution don't talk for 15 minutes about your product and how great your product is just talk about how your product solves that problem and like this is a big thing for me i love showing my 30 slides on you know the great product that we had but by as I got more experienced, I didn't have any, any slides that showed the product at all. Maybe one sometimes to show that we had a product, but I just had a little diagram that illustrated how we solved that problem. Um, once you've done that, talk about, you know, if, you, if you've got a product, really emphasize that. That gives you credibility. Talk about what traction you have to date, where you're going, um, and how you're going to, how you're going to get there. So what's your marketing strategy? Um, and what are your goals? And if you're in Northern Ireland, throw in your, your financial projection slides as well. Because they love that in Northern Ireland. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I just find, I mean, if, you, if you've been running for a few years and you've got some numbers and you can draw on those numbers and you can make predictions based on that, that's fine. But I think a lot of startups that are pre-product that are getting in and saying, we're going to do X amount of revenue in year three. Like there's, there's absolutely no way of knowing that. There's no way of proving that out. But it's a thing here for startups in San Francisco. It seems to be frowned upon that anybody would say that unless you're, you know, at a later stage. Yeah, so you don't need to maybe, you know, well, not that you don't need to spend so much time on the numbers that maybe, maybe you just need to put your emphasis into other areas. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of what people are looking for when you're talking about your numbers is that you have an understanding of numbers and you can get to a set of figures and you understand how you get to these figures and you, you have a basic knowledge of how to manage money. But I think like, I, just, I think there's just some crazy numbers. That you see at times, like I, I had my, I think the first pitch I said we're going to do like six hundred and fifty million of revenue in, in year three or something bizarre and, and crazy spreadsheets and crazy spreadsheets. Like I, they love the spreadsheets are my pet hate now. I just hate doing spreadsheets. I have one of those spreadsheets that you mentioned earlier on for um, the startup rep selfie that we've been working on. And yeah. I mean, it's like eight tabs. It's like, you know, it's just huge. And every time I look at it, I almost like feel myself breaking out the cold sweats. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like investors love all that stuff, and I don't know any entrepreneurs that actually enjoy pulling that stuff together. Some people do, um, but it's not as exciting as you know writing a bit of code or you know thinking about your your new product feature. True that, true that. Finally, Kyle, um, there are those people who listen into the show who are students. Um, we have a lot of students. What about what sort of things? If you were a student again, would you need to think about? And and, and you know, students in two thousand sixteen, in, in the world that we live in now, with technology, social media, being able to go travel. I mean, what sort of things would you recommend students think about today? I think the most important thing that you need to think about is you know, what makes me happy. Like, what do I enjoy doing? The most um, and then go on and find out how you can pursue that and for me i knew when i was a student i loved building products and been down various different paths you know since then with those products and now i feel like i'm back to this point where i was a student where i just like making products i think having that self-awareness of what you really like doing and what you're passionate about and then just go and find a way um, to do that and like you said it's 2016 you can make money doing absolutely anything like especially online you can make money blogging, talking about things. Like if make if you like making stuff, just make stuff, put it out there. Um, I'm a big fan of the the whole new rich movement at the minute, and you know like how you can basically do anything you want if you can get the you know ten thousand dollars a month. And like there's plenty of people who are making ten thousand dollars a month after six months by just drop shipping and doing you know little businesses like that. But I think you know the money's not really that I mean, it's important to an extent but what you're ha what you're happiest doing and make sure that you're waking up every day doing something that you know excites you and motivates you and just you know is stress-free and that you enjoy doing 
And the thing about it is you only get one life. None of us are coming back. So yeah. why spend nine to five every day in a job that you absolutely hate? If you've got an idea for a business, an enterprise, something you want to start up. I mean, 2016, with the technology that we have and the infrastructure that's available to do things, it's a pretty amazing time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Like I, even 10 years, maybe 10, 10 years ago, I don't think there was Facebook ads or any of these ad platforms. Like you couldn't just go online and stick an ad on Facebook in 10 minutes and, you know, have anybody in the world potentially click on your link for uh, well, a couple of pence and have them come and sign up to your, your product or service. I mean, like those opportunities didn't exist years ago. Like to go and get customers in China or, you know, you'd have to go and visit those places or pick up the phone. And it's just the, the, the opportunities now are just, just crazy. And like, I was thinking about this the other day with talking a lot with people I work with the minute about remote working. And, you know, I was thinking, do, do you have to be, you know, an entrepreneur or a designer or a developer or a marketeer to be a remote worker? And it's like, no, I mean, there's, there's plenty of job opportunities for like things like data entry or admin or virtual assistants and things that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people could do. And the beautiful thing about like going and working in somewhere like Thailand is you could live like a king on a salary that, you know, would, would barely get you by here in the UK. So like it's, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities out there. I don't think we've fully tapped into, you know, what's available yet. And I suppose it's about having that self-confidence, taking that first step, believing in yourself and, and really just taking a chance. I mean, you know, really just going out there and exploring what's what opportunities exist. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is fear. I see it so many times. People like they don't have the, I'm not sure, like everybody's afraid of, of doing things and I'm no different, but sometimes I can just push myself to do them. I know a lot of other people that can't do that. And I think maybe the, the best thing to do is find somebody that, that can push you. Like a good example for me was like whenever I was in uni, like my biggest fear was, was public speaking. And I just could not give talks. I remember my lecturer, Chris Murphy, had sort of signed me up to give this talk in Belfast. And he was like, look, it'll be fine. You'll, uh, I'll help you. And then I went and gave the talk and was less nervous about it. And I love public speaking. I have no, no real issue with it. And, and I was also, he had signed me up to go to this thing in California for like a week's boot camp in Stanford University. It was like, there's no way I'm, I'm doing this. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't go there for a week on my own. But, you know, he kind of just gently pushed me into doing these things. And then after a while, I learned how to just kind of force myself um, to do things. And now I can kind of, I still get afraid. I'm just nervous about doing things, but I can kind of turn the nerves into adrenaline and kind of, enjoy the rush of, of doing something crazy and you have to challenge yourself you have to step outside your comfort zone all the time yeah and you're saying those things about like having somebody else to push you like nobody's going to push you and encourage you unless you're taking steps forward um yourself but people will encourage or help you if you're you just never do anything but i think it's the number one it's the number one problem for everyone everyone has a everyone has a, an idea for something um they're either really lazy uh, and can't be arsed or they they're just genuinely afraid of doing it and they you see it so many times and people are like with excuses like i don't have time to do this and like you know everyone else everyone else has 24 hours in a day so you know, if richard branson can do everything 24 hours in a day then anybody can do it you just gotta stop making excuses and just take the plunge and just go and do it True, man. True, man. Well, listen, I am so glad we managed to pin this down. It was so difficult just to get a date in the diary to say, right, let's do this podcast. And we still have to do lunch yet. And we're going to we're gonna get that yes. done before you head back off into Thailand. And if I'm ever going that direction myself, I'm definitely going to hook up with you. Tell me, how can people find out a little bit more information about you? You know, what's the website address? What's the Twitter handle? I know you're very active on LinkedIn. So so let's get that those links out to people now um, and so people can start following you to find out more information about your digital nomad journey 
and also some of the other things that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, my, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's just at Kyle Gawley. That's G-A-W-L-E-Y. So I tweet lots of random stuff on Twitter. And also, like, I blog. Try, I'm trying to blog every two weeks at the minute about things. My blog is blog.kylegawley.com. So I mostly blog about entrepreneurship. Um, I'm sort of blog a bit about travel, personal development, and general life stuff, I think. I also post that. Anything that goes on the blog is on my LinkedIn as well. My LinkedIn is quite sort of formal. Um, whereas my Twitter and blog are a bit less informal or a bit more informal. Cool. And I highly recommend people check you out on those links. Kyle, we're going to, I think we'll do another podcast once you get back, back out east. Um, yes. I think it'd be very, very good to, to, to tap back into this again, get a little bit more, uh, sort of context around the drop shipping business you're looking at and kind of some of the other things that you're doing. Because, you know, listeners who listen into this show and other episodes, I know this is something that people are really, really interested in. And, you know, you're a man out there. You're actually, you've taken that step forward, that leap of faith. And, you know, it's paying off dividends. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be happy to. Well, listen, thanks very much for joining me on the show, Kyle. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers, man. I think we are all in agreement that that was a very, very useful episode. Lots of great key takeaways. I suppose some of the things that I'm taking away from episode 26 with Kyle is the whole importance of, you know, your health and your well-being in business. And this is something as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, we actually sacrifice greatly. We put our own health and our well-being in danger when we're trying to get our business up and running. So it is really, really important that when we get, you know, we're thinking about starting a business or we're involved in a business that we do take time for ourselves and we focus on getting to the gym. We focus on our own mental health and we make sure that we are in a good place health-wise, but also our own mental health is in a good place because that will help our business grow and help our business be far more successful. Kyle touched on the whole aspect of, you know, in business, it's actually okay to fail. You learn a lot when you make mistakes along the way and you learn a lot about yourself, self-awareness, you know, asking yourself the question, what makes me happy? You know, think about building a revenue-focused business. If there's something that you really want to do in life, and I really agree with this, do something about it. Just go and actually do it. Make it happen. You know, travel on your own. It helps you, you know, build more self-confidence, get more, you know, self-awareness. It's a great experience. You're going to meet a lot of people along the way. So lots of really, really useful information in episode 26. But for me, the core focus is focusing on your health and your well-being. Really, really important that we have good mental health and also that we're physically fit because that will help our business. All right, as always, don't forget if you've got somebody that you would like me to interview on the show, if there's something you'd like me to cover, please do reach out, drop me an email to zero lives left podcast at gmail.com or send me a tweet to at zero lives left. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, please do rate and review the podcast. If you're listening over on Stitcher, please do leave a review over there. We're going to be coming back very soon with episode 27 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Please do share this link with your friends and I'll see you soon on another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast with Wayne Denner. Make sure to check out Wayne's new book, The Student's Guide to an Epic Online Reputation, available from WayneDenner.com and follow him on Twitter at Wayne Denner. Tune in next time.